that would be something to see. Me in a bar fight? I'm gonna I love you guys drunk. I think it would be really hard to get me into a bar fight. <laughs> you know who used to get into bar fights is the CEO of Trust Insights, Katie Robert, in her twenties. She was Somehow a table flipper. That. Oh, was she? Mm-hmm. I, uh, I she could, didn't necessarily start fights, but she ended them. I can see that. <laughs> Listen, I have I have misannounced when this episode is going to be on three or more times this week. You really? I've have. been so excited to talk to Dusty and Tina from Habitat for Humanity Arizona. I have been so excited to have this conversation for the dumbest of reasons. One is I've never talked to anybody from Habitat. Now that's oh, cool. Fred. Hey, Fred Fogner the fourth. We owe Let's you see. a message. Oh, do we? Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Message away. Um, and um, also because uh, not only did they work for Habitat for, for Humanity, but they also produce 3D printed houses there, which we just thought was the coolest thing in the whole wide world. So if you've ever seen um, a 3D printer make like an iPhone case, well, move over bacon. Now there's something meatier. <laughs> so we've got quite the show today. What else we got? Is that it? That's everything. Dusty Partons, Tina Burgos. It's just going to be. I mean, and backpack coin. Oh, we'll give away some backpack coins. Let's do it. Hi, everyone. Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, welcoming you to the Backpack Show. Your hosts, Chris Brogan, Kerry Gorgone, Boom Shakalaka. Backpack Show. You know, ever since. Password is Habitat. Oh. My writing is awful. Your writing is awful. What is it, Cyrillic? Um, so, writing, uh, today's password is Habitat. So you, all you have to do is send the email, carry at chrisbrogan.com. It is that easy. Email carry at chrisbrogan.com and just say, hey, uh, the password is uh, Habitat. And uh, my, ba- my rally.io account name is, and we'll give you loot. Real cryptocurrency. Mm-mm-mm. So I was laughing all day earlier this week because the password I chose was your mom. And so all day long I was getting emails that just said your mom. It was like and setting yourself up for your favorite joke. It was the best. But today, Habitat. Yes. I'm so excited. So um, it's not just for Jimmy Carter anymore. It turns out other people can what, come and 3D do thing? I don't think Jimmy Carter was ever into 3D printing. <clears throat> like, let's get that. You may part. or may not know that, but Roslyn is a 3D printout. Oh, I did not know that. Did you ever see that photo fairly recently where it looked like the Bidens were giant and the Carters were small? I'm sure. I did. Something like that. Well, that's because they use 3D replicas of them. I feel like that was just an unfortunate, like, the way they set it up <laughs> wasn't good. It's bad voodoo. All right. I'm going to grab Dusty and Tina. You push your button. Ready? Mm-hmm. Boo. Hello. How are you both? Good morning. <laughs> good, good, very early morning to you out in the desert lands. It's good morning, all. <laughs> Thanks for having us. This is fun. Do you really get to say it's a dry kind of heat where everything starts to melt all around you? Usually, but this week it's been a little muggy. Not going to lie. Oh. Little monsoon weather has happened, and so... For us uh, desert dwellers, it's nice to get the rain, but the humidity is not something we're accustomed to. So it gets a little sticky. Does bad Ooh. things to your hair. Exactly. Who comes to work? Uh, so there's volunteers. I mean, Habitat for Humanity is built massively on volunteers. And we'll talk to that in a minute. But how did you two end up there? Like, there's no kid on the playground, on the jungle gym going, someday I'm going to be in Habitat for Humanity. Well, Dusty, do you want me to go first on that one? Yeah, you go first on that one. 
Okay, so I actually stumbled upon uh, Habitat for Humanity back in the 90s when I was looking for some volunteer work to do and a friend's mom said, hey, it's kind of out of your normal zone, but you should come out and take a look at what we're doing and have some fun. So I did, and it was just a, in a volunteer capacity. And at that time we were building, Habitat was building a 295 home master planned community in the south part of Phoenix, which was the first of its kind. So as a volunteer, I had no clue what I was doing, but the executive director said, we could use an extra staff person. Why don't you go for it? And I've been off and on with Habitat ever since. It's just a, it's just something you fall in love with. You it's don't not like putting you in the outfield. They're like, hey, you hit so great. We're going to put you in the outfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, 20, so good. <laughs> 25 years ago, I had no clue what I was doing. Some days I still don't, but it's a learning opportunity with every volunteer we meet, every family which we get to engage with, and every partner that walks alongside us. So it's just a, a it's a joy for me to be able to work for Habitat. Well, I'm going to shake down Dusty for the same answer because I want to know. But <laughs> what were you doing before this? Like you know, you said it was quite different. I'm imagining you weren't you know hammering together a bunch of houses. I was working in corporate America um, for the really exciting phone company out here. And I just thought, wow, that's super exciting. No, not really that exciting. <laughs> I, need to, I need to fulfill my inner soul a little bit more and do something for my neighborhood and my, my home. The so. best people start out working at the phone company. I worked at Mont Bell and so did my mom. So I was wow. US West out here. Yep. That's Very cool. Delightful. All so right, Dusty. I, I thought Dusty Parsons was a fake name. I was like, nope, <laughs> he's in witness protection or something. He probably shouldn't even do a video show. <laughs> he gave up his cowboy show to do Habitat. So what, it's uh, true. Talk a little bit about you. Where, where did you come from? So, um, you know, I graduated college, I think it was 2008, just around about the time that the American dream was drying up. And uh, I which, by the way, all the marketing books we used back then are now outdated. Uh, so much has changed just in the day to day. Anyway, I found myself working at a church and their community outreach guy uh, <laughs> took me in. He saw I was pretty green behind the ears and he was kind of a he was kind of a mentor and an Obi-Wan figure in my life. And he just said, you know, this is the community and we're going to serve them. And this is about um going out and, and loving on people. So uh, ironically enough, the church where I was working didn't do a whole lot of that and uh, came to find out that all the things that the uh, church was talking about, um, Habitat was already doing and had been doing for 40 years, you know, going out, serving um, <clears throat> and helping people build their own houses. I mean, who builds their own house anymore? So. Um, about seven years ago, I made the jump over to Habitat, and it's just been incredible. I realized I had a tiger by the tail, and um, uh, from a marketing standpoint, I just couldn't be happier. Uh, it's a great brand, great people, and amazing potlucks over here about once a week. <laughs> it seems like you have a bunch, basically, you spend your whole life doing barn raisings. It's like, hey, we're going to build a house, and everyone comes <clears throat> together to build a house, and it's like this joyous. Thing. Yeah, the wall signings are a very, very powerful moment. We like we believe that we are what we celebrate. So we like to stop when that first wall goes up, everybody stops, we get in a circle. Um, we pray, we share, we let the sponsor have their moment in the sun. And then we um, 
pass out markers and everybody writes their well wishes and their blessings on the wall. And then all that, all that love gets baked into the house um, while the family's there. It's, it's pretty incredible. Now, do you 3D print like big pieces of the house or little pieces or like certain things still have to be wood? Like I'm very, yeah, I'm totally. Let's dig into the whole 3D printer thing. Because <clears throat> that's the people who normally make these houses that, you know, they go out with a bunch of hammers, nails and all that sort of stuff. It's everything you've ever seen, sticks, framing, all that sort of a thing. But the whole setup has to be different when you're making a house with a 3D printer. Yeah. So about the 3D house, it was totally <laughs> Um, different. It was definitely a stretch goal for us, um, but um, <clears throat> we were approached by a couple of guys from ASU who asked us if we would be interested in this, and um, they could connect us with an engineering firm that was very well versed in this, and it took our CEO just about a half a second to say yes to this, which is one of the things we love about this affiliate is um, we say yes to big audacious um, things. Well, at least he does, and then we get to do it. And uh, while we were, I mean, all, you know, so many of us were on Zoom calls for the last 18 months. Our Zoom calls were with engineers overseas, um, plotting and planning how we were going to get this printer over here. Um, and then it was set up in Tempe. We worked closely with the city of Tempe, who we've worked with for the last 30 years and um, just sort of dreamed all this up. And uh, it just really seemed impossible till now it's done. Now the walls are eight feet high and the printer's actually been shipped back to Houston and we're ready to continue framing the house in a traditional way now. So you have the components. Right, so the rest of the build now is it goes back to traditional habitat sticks and bricks construction. So the roof trusses, all of the rest of it, we'll be able to engage our volunteers um, and our crews to be able to, so it's kind of a hybrid. It's 3D printed walls, uh, external and internal, and then the remaining components of the home will be traditional habitat uh, construction. So we're, we're excited to get the volunteers out now and they still can swing a hammer or two here and there. Cool. We have one comment that says in China, people make houses in a few days without 3D printing. I mean, People have been making all different types of houses for a long time, different ways, but I think it's exciting. And Elizabeth asks, is 3D printing faster and more cost-effective than wood frames? Not yet. <laughs> it can be. Um, it will be. <laughs> it will be. We think um, this first one for us was very much proof of concept. We wanted to um, see it, test it, try it. Um, uh, a good example would be if, you know, if the four of us went out and did and broke the land speed record uh, with a rocket car, then we came back and be like, well, what are the implications for this car really in traffic? And how can we scale it? And how can we make it more sustainable? How can we make it cheaper? Um, can we eliminate um, some of the, um, the really high costs, uh, which a lot of that is just red tape, but um, that is the goal is to make it um, more efficient, more sustainable and uh, more affordable for the families that are gonna move in. Yeah, I wanna talk about the, the setup of it before we get to Leslie's question, because one of the things that I was thinking about when I watched it, well, first off, one thought I had was that there's certainly a marketing aspect to that. You get a lot of attention when you start, you know, ice cream machining out a house instead of 
having a bunch of people put it some got you out. all excited christopher <laughs> i was like holy cow look at this thing it's like it's like a big giant poop maker and you just watch it like and then there's yeah. like this one guy watching it poop for the whole day um like that's cool but like the setup of it the work of it the the the, the putting the 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 frame in place. One of the things that happens when one makes a house is there's there's the plans, and then there's what happens when the GC is sitting there going, "We can't do it exactly like this. We have to nudge it a little bit or whatever." You, you can't get that with a three D printer. It's you know, here's your print, and like if you do, you've got to go all the way back through another whole process. When you said this about the land speed, it's the opposite. It's got to be the slowest thing in the world for right now. <laughs> but you know, the question was that, that you, you kind of touched on. It's not yet, but what's the what's the projection in people's mind about that? Are they saying just because of the materials, like concrete, so easy to pour, or like what's the what's the thought process on why someone decided to do this beyond novelty? Because if we didn't start here, I mean, we would probably just keep talking about it. So we needed to we needed to get started in the U.S. and we needed to get started in the affordable housing space. Um, you're right when you say it's a huge marketing effort, but really this is about the future. This is about the implications of affordable housing. We, um, as Habitat, we're very um, inclusive and we want to invite as many people to the table as possible. So now we can invite even more people in the form of architects and thinkers and designers and engineers and um, people with bigger brains than, than mine, certainly, who can... Um, Take the conversation further like what it's really a what if thing and now that we have something tangible on the slab in tempe we can invite people down there and have conversations beyond where we were a year and a half ago so uh there's many many opinions in the tech world about where we are with 3d printing some will tell you we're still five years away from scaling it but if we didn't start somewhere we would still be two years in the past Hey, look, it's Tina. Oh, God, can you take that off the website? <laughs> no, no, click on it. <laughs> She's internet famous now. Like, why are we still on the website? That's old news. Let's get That's to the old news. news. <laughs> um, so, uh, so one thing that Leslie had for a question before we move on, Leslie had asked the question, the 3D element of printing is amazing, but can it be applied to all different areas? We, Leslie is, and I are both from Maine. She still lives in Maine. You know, can I have a house up there or is it going to melt when it rains or something? It is definitely something that can be applied. If you look at, if you do any Googling on 3D printing homes, there, there are different structures all over the world that people have built. Some have indoor plumbing, some don't. Some are built for animals, some are built for humans. Um, right. But that's definitely a consideration that we had when we kept telling the folks, it's, it's hot out here. And when you wanna start printing with this material, um, are you sure it's gonna be able to create the walls in the manner that we need when it gets to be 115 degrees. And they assured us, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. So we, we've made it work. We were, I think Dusty and I, every time we'd go out there or have a meeting, it's like, oh, cross your fingers. Let's hope the walls are still <laughs> looking the way that we expected. Um, so yeah, so far it seems like with, with trial and error, you figure out the right mixture, the right components and uh, the way the printing comes out, you do have to let it set up a little bit and before you can move on to the next layers. But the folks that we worked with, the engineers and our construction team that really spent the time to um, learn about it, to 
test and trial a few different ways uh, to make it happen. I think we really came out with a quality product. And as the family, as we finish the home and the family eventually moves in, we'll stay obviously in touch with them and see what it is, issues, if any, they are experiencing, what the overall um, insulation is like, all those different things. So it's going to be an ongoing process and, and a continual learning for us as the family uh, lives and grows in that home. I love that Chris is showing us some dude making himself a hobbit hole. While yeah, so in the background, I'm that. showing you, uh, this guy named Mr. Tiger in China, by the way, uh, for our friend uh, Sanakshi. Um, I could tell you that Mr. Tiger is building himself a hole in the side of a mountain. And so he's using a lot of drilling. He's, he's doing a lot of grinding and he's, he's carving himself out basically. The hobbit uh, hole. Hobbit hole, but it's huge. It, it, when you say that, it's a two floor house with plumbing and heating and an outdoor uh, oven that has all the, lots of hobbits in it. So it's, it's a giant thing, but it's just one dude. He's well, one thing as a lawyer, I question his legal title to a mountain, but what do I know? <laughs> You bought the land. So um, I only passed that out to say that, you know, there's lots of different ways to build stuff. But the other thing that's part of this, and we'll come back to this, our, our SIP method still in use. I don't know I don't what that know what word means. Do you know what that means? Anybody? I mean, I sip all the time. Yeah, all <laughs> sip, I guess. We can all yeah. take a sip, but I don't what know. What you get it at? You got me. That's one for our construction uh, crew. Well, oh, we did it. We stumped you, Dusty. Dusty was like, what are you going to ask me? I'm concerned. What if you stump us? So we didn't stump you. My <laughs> we're like, we're not going to stump you. <laughs> Can we phone uh, a friend and get our construction guys on, on our... Can, or we could, we could pull the audience. Or... <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> we do have to take a quick commercial. Then we'll come back. It'll be about um, 60 seconds. And I just realized I didn't read the ones at the beginning either. So hang tight. Boop. Don't anybody go anywhere. It's going to be fast because I'm furious. Um, <laughs> hey, we're sponsored by StreamYard. You want to make a show? Seabroga.me slash StreamYard. You can make a show like this. It is. We're using SIP methods to make this show. Um, if you'd like to have a podcast, you can have one. They're free. Not really. Castos.com. And you can come get one uh, for people who like audio podcasts. Castos.com. Think about it. You can do 3D printing house show on the and if you want a website for it, you can get one at dot .online. Seabrogan.me slash online. You can use the code Chris. You can get a website for 99 cents. Use the code Chris in all caps. Don't forget all the caps or you will be all sad. <laughs> hey, you want to look up more about 3D printing houses? Go to presearch.com. It is not Google. It's better. Go to presearch.com. <laughs> you'll have a lot of chance to look some stuff up. It's really great. Looking. Remember to log in so you get your cryptocurrency rewards you because coins for using it. Half the backpack show staff did not log in for weeks and weeks. <laughs> yes, fifty percent of the staff didn't know that he was supposed to log himself in. <laughs> hey, you have some extra money. Well, you won't for long if you don't give it to someone who puts it into something good for you. Elevation Financial, run by Michael Reynolds, is a chance to do that. Elevationfinancial.com, by the way, you can get a complimentary money session there. Listen, Michael is not just helping you turn your money into more money. He works with socially conscious business owners. So they do ESG investing, which is it takes your money and aligns it with a positive impact on all the environmental and progressive social values that matter to you. He's got clients in almost all 50 states. He'll, he'll have all 50 by the time he gets you. Wyoming, I'm looking at you. Uh, Michael Reynolds <laughs> is a fee-only fiduciary financial advisor. You're going to have a good old time. So elevationfinancial.com, you will have a blast. You're going to have a good old time. That was good funny. You'll have a gay old time. All right. Let's grab our Tina and our Dusty back. Um, <laughs> gay old time. Yeah. You know, like um, the, the Flintstones. The Flintstones. 
So um, I don't know if the kids know who the Flintstones are anymore. Not. not that song's now going to be running through my head the rest of the day. Thank you for that. I, I <laughs> I don't. Thanks for saying That's that. That's a superpower know. is putting those kinds of things in your head. Yep. Um, so, so listen, I did have one, one question about the whole setup and, and Habitat exists and, and lives and dies on uh, donations. It needs, it needs lots of people to come to it. Dusty made a, a really interesting point that I'm going to hammer back on, which was, <laughs> get it, hammer. <laughs> nice. Good one. Uh, that Dusty made a point that, you know, he was involved in the church and he felt like it wasn't very churchy in the sense that he wanted it to go help some people. And Habitat is. Oh, it was, it was very churchy. A lot of church, but not a lot of help. Um, so the, the, the storyline here, um, it, see, Cody knows what SIP is. Uh, the storyline thought is that if, if Habitat is a lot closer to being churchy at a time when more than 40% of people have started to say they're not going back to their churches, Habitat's the kind of place where you could get some of that spiritual value. You talk just a minute about what the donation experience is like and also what it's like to, no matter your denomination, have the opportunity to participate. Sure. We have uh, actually part of our sponsor relations area is focused on our faith uh, community, faith-based communities. We have uh, <laughs> um, we have all different faiths represented and the churches have been one of our strongest supporters, especially during COVID uh, when corporations weren't allowing their employees to come out and volunteer. The church groups were. And so we had uh, several hundreds of volunteers come from our faith groups to build. And we like to work with coalitions. So we have Lutheran coalitions, Episcopal coalitions, all different faiths, small churches, large churches coming together, both to raise funds and to provide the volunteer hours to help build the homes. And they've been with us, especially with this affiliate, since the beginning. We were, we were actually founded with one of the church groups that's still active with us today. So the faith component is definitely part of who we are. It's part of our community. And what we're finding now as um, a lot of the younger population is not necessarily as connected to the church groups as they once were. So we're trying to engage those non-denominational groups that are just interested in giving back to the community and have uh, their own faith inside that they want to share. Beautiful. That it sounds like you've never said that sentence before, though, Tina. Actually, I don't think I have exactly. Dusty can quote. Dusty can find out, but it just. Well, and I want to. I love what I do. I want to go on the record. I don't mean to disparage any church anywhere. We serve people of all faiths. We yes. serve people with of no faith. Um, but for me, Habitat um, was a place. Is a place that is certainly putting its faith into action, and that's even in our mission statement. You know, uh, putting love into action to um, build homes, community, and hope. So um, just want to go on the record and say that. Good. You know, I was pooping on churches. You didn't have to. Um, so <laughs> eight, eight foot tall walls that look like this when you get up close to them. I mean, that is a wall that you and your kid sister aren't going to go crashing through it in an argument. I mean, not that I've ever even thought of something like that. <laughs> no, and on this gallery that Carrie's going through, um, you'll see we printed the internal and the external walls. That's our buddy, Roberto. Hi, Roberto. Um, the walls have a, uh, we, we did the internal and external walls, and there's a space in between that'll be filled with um, foam insulation. So uh, it, this is gonna be a very energy efficient home. Um, we get some pretty strong winds out here. I don't think this one's going to blow over. No, 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 no. 
Um, besides having to set up that incredible like lattice overhead or whatever, where the machine gets to roll around that, this thing, it's in the background here. Um, besides that, were there any other, this house is stupid heavy. Like it's not like, did you have to change the ground together or you know? they won't be able to move the house? That's what I'm saying. Like, like it's not yeah. going to shift for much of anything. Did, was there a lot of engineering around that sort of stuff? Yeah, we had to use a, a beefier slab on this house. We use post-tension slabs on all our homes, uh, but not this one. We had to go much, much deeper into the ground. Um, wow. So yeah, there's a lot of concrete involved. And then the uh, there's six gantry systems set up that um, allow the printer to move on an X, Y, and Z axis. <clears throat> and um, each one of those, yep, each one of those is a ton and you can see there were concrete. Um, we had to pour concrete around the house just to set up the printer. Just to set it up, yeah. Yeah. So those have been relocated, and those will be like AC pads um, for some of the other houses. We're going to put habitat houses on either side of this 3D printed one. Okay. Oh, so they can be like, ah, why didn't I get the 3D printed one? <laughs> right. And also for the record, um, we like, sometimes people will be like, oh, we hear you're doing a 3D house. And we like to say that, you know, all our houses are 3D. Um, <laughs> we don't do any 2D houses. That but this one is funny, especially when it rains. <laughs> Back to Flintstone land. Right. <laughs> so right. Cody was joking that he didn't know what the Flintstones were. And so on your behalf, Chris, I sent him the link. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then he said, what's next? You're going to tell me about the Andy Griffith show? So you told him he wasn't ready. I knew he was going to start whistling. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you knew it. You knew it. So Fred Faulkner, the fourth says hollow walls equal plumbing and electrical too. Yes. Yep. All the trades were included in this. So the electrical the plumbing, um, in and out, um, everything's being baked right into the walls. And we worked closely with um, a lot of our in-kind partners who came to the table early, help, helped us through this process. And that was, um, that was the real learning curve because some of the other projects you'll see around the country or, or in other countries, you'll see the plumbing running along the outside of the walls or the electricity running along. You know, we're not going to that we can't do that in Tempe. So we had to bake the trades into the walls. And I didn't know it was that, pronounced Tempe. I'm, I've learned so much today. Today already. So, <laughs> but that, I mean, that gets tricky. I hadn't thought about this, but I have to imagine that there's some kind of after effect. So let's say they, you know, this is really getting into the, the woodchucks, but like, you know, 200 amp service or something like that. And then they come back and they're like, oh, no, it turns out I need a lot more because. I'm going to do a, a mushroom uh, facility and grow mushrooms or whatever it is. You know what I mean? I need, I need something more for power. How do you get at that? Is it, is, is, are there ports still or what's that like? Yeah, there were, they were cut out specifically to allow for that type of access. Um, but there are definitely some nuances to this. It's not like you can just take a hammer and nail and hang a picture on the wall. You can't right. hang your, your flat screen the way you normally would. So we're, continuing to look at what type of materials can go into this uh, mixture, this concrete mixture that's going to be different than your, your traditional. So a lot of our partners, as Desti mentioned, that have been on this journey with us from the beginning are still you know, noodling through how do we make this happen and how do we share that with the family so they understand what uh, tools and tricks they're going to need to know along the way once they're in and, and establishing their true roots there. 
Elizabeth asked the question, is this a joint project with the university to add another to add other things like energy efficiency, solar, wind, water, that sort of thing? We have um, we do have a solar partner on this, Suntria. Yeah. Um, we'll put solar panels on here and we're actually going to go for um, platinum lead certification on this house, which is not an easy thing, but um, we think we can achieve it. Lead in general is tricky. Platinum lead is, yeah. you know, nobody does that. Um, back to the idea that Habitat has a very, very specific and important mission. In some ways, the fact that this is, I was just thinking about the fact that we're asking so many 3D printing house questions, which is why we brought you on the show. It it it, it detracts, right? It's it's like uh, having a booth babe or a celebrity at some trade show that, you know, you, 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 people come over because they're like, you know, attracted, not not to learn about the demo. You know what I'm saying? Like in, right. in events and everything like that, you could be too attractive and, and sort of lose the, lose the storyline that you want to no, talk about. No, it's so inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny that you mentioned that, Chris, because uh, you're right. We got a lot of interest, a lot of looky-loos, a lot of people just driving by the neighborhood. Ooh, what's that? It's hard to miss that gantry system that's set up, even though we had covered fencing around the perimeter. But what what I think is the special part that uh, this is certainly a 3D home, but it's a 3D habitat home. And yesterday we were able to do what we traditionally call a wall signing ceremony that focuses back on the family. And, and that's the tradition of the habitat uh, story is that it takes you know three components. Every habitat home is a miracle. It takes uh, the, the donors, it takes the volunteers, and it takes the family. And so yesterday we got the chance to recognize all those folks aside from the 3D printing process. It was about the family. It was about all the people that came to the table to say, yeah, this is a really cool process and a really cool idea. But at the end of the day, we're Habitat and we need to recognize all of the pieces that come together to make it the miracle that it is. For just one second, I thought you said all of the pizzas. And I thought that- <laughs> there, and, you know, There's a lot of pizza out on site too at times. We have to feed the volunteers. So. Say you got to feed those people. <laughs> it happens. You can make your next house out of pizza boxes. Don't think that we haven't thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> what are, you know, to that end, and then we have to do a couple more things and then get the hell out of here. But um, what are, on traditional builds, let's throw the 3D out the window, forget those guys. Um, what are the- what are the things that volunteers don't expect? And what are the surprises for you who've done this so many times that you still look over to volunteer and go, oh my gosh, what happened here? <laughs> like, what, what are some of the, you know, stories that you really can't quite tell anywhere else about that sort of scenario? I don't know if there's <clears throat> stories we can't tell. We, we're pretty, nice. we're pretty, <laughs> we're pretty privileged to host almost 10,000 volunteers annually. We're almost none of them are total screw ups. <laughs> <laughs> and they come in at every level of experience. One of our favorite photos we have in our um, gallery is a woman um, and she's holding the hammer back backwards. And it's just a great picture of the volunteer experience. You don't, you don't need a lot of experience to jump in with Habitat. Just come out. We'll show you what to do. We have veterans who've been serving with us for 20, 25 years. They will help you. They will um, tell you everything you need to know. And then those house leaders, they break up into smaller teams and we just break down the tasks and um, it's just a whole lot of fun. And it, the volunteer experience is unlike any other because the house will be standing there 
10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, and you can go back by as a volunteer and be like, I built that. I nailed, I put that joist together, you know, and uh, it's so tactile. And um, what's the, I don't even know the word I'm working for. I'm the marketing guy and I can't come up with the right word, but it's well, there's like it's, object permanence to it. There's, there's a sense yes. of you know, something that lives on beyond, you know, for people who work software, for instance, you know, we always want to think of that idea. Uh, by the way, when I was asking that question about bad people, I was just making sure I had a place in the volunteer structure because I'm insanely good at hammering a nail in and then bending it 90 degrees halfway. So when I get the nail halfway in, it goes 90 degrees. And so I'm an incredible uh, plant hanging maker. We have a place for you. <laughs> I was gonna say, we have plenty of space for you. And we do have a, a group of dedicated uh, senior level volunteers that most of our build days are on Saturdays when the volunteers come out. And then there will be a few days the following week where they'll go in and you know, kind of fix some of the fix a few and, issues. Yeah. yeah, you know, just make sure we can pass inspections here and there along the way. Oh, see, so Chris, you could grease the wheels for them. There's, a, there's definitely. There you go. Oh, there we go. <laughs> we have volunteers in the office. We have volunteers who help with letter writing campaigns. We have advocacy campaigns. Um, the restores. We have volunteers all over. Lots the place. of volunteers in the restores, which is amazing. Elizabeth anyway. mentioned the Austin restore. Yeah. Well, shop at the Phoenix Restore too. When we had <laughs> in Tempe, and <laughs> come on by the uh, the Phoenix Restores. They just launched their online eBay component of the Restore because we get some pretty eclectic finds, and we like to we like to put those online. We don't want to restrict that to just Arizona shoppers. So you um, really are so nice. I was going to say he put that so eloquently, Denis. I would have been like, you won't believe the stuff you find in some of these places. <laughs> You got to see it. They're really good for those white elephant gift exchanges. Back when oh, we have to go to the office again and be subjected. We to love that stuff. We want your unwanted stuff and we'll, we'll sell it and put it to good use. Because there's somebody out there that thinks it's a gem. So we just have to match them up. You know, shopping at the Habitat Restore is probably the fastest, easiest way to get involved with Habitat. You can donate, you can, you can volunteer, but we all got to shop, right? We, we've all gone out back to shopping now. That's still a thing. It's a thing again. Okay. Well, so we're at this part of the show that I get to do this. Oh, and here's our person of the day. Kaboom! And, you know, I wasn't sure who I wanted to uh, make the person of the day today, but I'm going to go with Fred Faulkner the fourth. Because <laughs> I liked his very, you know, energetic yabba dabba do. I thought that was... Fred can always be counted on to support us in our antics. Fred is very a, I would call it enabling, except that I like it. Right. Oh, I left my air on. See, I don't even know how to make this show. Uh, store in West Palm Beach, Florida is great. Listen, so we have one <laughs> question. It sounds like you're brewing a kettle of tea. It's a jet engine. My downstairs neighbor thinks I'm playing video games all the time, <laughs> which I am, but I have headphones. I told him, no, that's just the air. Um, so we have one question we ask every guest every single episode, even when there's air blowing, which is, what goes in your backpack? Now, this can be something physical, like a jet. Or it could be something metaphorical, like the, the sights you see when you're up that high. Carrie, what's a good example of something physical you could throw in a backpack? Extra set of teeth. An extra set of teeth. It's forever so going to be my favorite. Uh, and what's something metaphorical that we can put in a backpack? Mm, kindness. Yep. Kindness is so great. So you both get an option here. So Tina, you're going to get a chance to go first. What would you add into the backpack? Well, physically, I always have a baseball cap. Oops, that way. In my 
in my backpack because the sun out here, you need it, especially if you're out on site. Metaphorically, um, a positive attitude. I, I think there are so many days, especially this last year, that it was hard to come by. Uh, but working for Habitat, you never know what you're going to run into, whether you're in the office or out on site. So I like to bring a, put a smile on my face and a positive attitude and make sure that everyone's having fun. So can people from Boston volunteer with Habitat then? Absolutely. We don't know how to make a happy face. What are you going to throw in that backpack? Well, first, I want to thank you guys and invite everybody to look at the future of affordable housing differently. Um, this is our, the size of our marketing budget altogether right here. So I thought uh, we had some extra time to think about this question, and it's kind of haunted me, and I've been so intimidated. But I'm rereading um, Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which was my high school favorite book. Yes. And so I'm going to go with a towel as a practical item. you got to take your towel with you everywhere. I, I love it. Ford and then, um, I guess metaphorically, I'm going to say, uh, so cheesy, Tina's going to throw me under the bus, but I'm going to go with love because I think you absolutely need, um, you have to lead with love, speak with love. Um, and all you need you just, is love. Yeah, all you need is love. It's, yeah, I'm going to go with that. You're going to believe you when you say it. No, I believe you when you say it. Some people, if they said that, I would have been like, come on. You're just trying to get points. It's actually true. And Dusty was recently awarded from our entire staff and board organization, our Habitat Hero for the Year. So he, well he, he was very honest in what he just said. He well got deserved. that with love and absolutely zero bribery. Oh, <laughs> it's a great thing. It's a great thing. So I, uh, you know, people who watch the show a lot know that there's a grandmother story involved usually, but I have a dad story. So my dad has brought me into several uh, um, repair projects over the years. And one of them is he really hates squeaky uh, floors. He hates really squeaky floors. So we put lots of shims in to kind of make the floor work right. And I was thinking about we would have no place in a 3D printed house because where would the shims go? But then I thought about one place you could still use a shim in a, in a concrete poured house. And that's right here. How's he feel about 